You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Well, I uh, I want to kind of follow along. I was I had lunch with uh, Jeremy on Monday, and he was sharing that he's been talking about how he reads the Bible, studying the Bible, getting a love for the Bible. And so I want to stay in that flow today. I want you to turn with me to Luke 24, and I'm going to be reading Judd from uh, uh, New King James. So anyway, how's everybody doing? Good. If you got New King James, man, I love you. If you don't, I still love you. <laughs> you, ever, you guys ever see those King James bumper stickers? If it ain't King James, it ain't the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh. I just laugh. I love the guys, man. You know what? There's anyway, Skylar, you did such a good the whole team did amazing this morning. But I just want to brag on Skylar, man. That was beautiful. No, no. I'm serious. You took the room up this morning and you identified our present struggles, but we didn't wallow in it. We took us to the throne and we broke through into a place and I felt the anointing come. And I can just tell, man, you're really growing into something profound. So, and I'm, I'm really serious. It was, yeah, I love that. There we go. Thursday night prayer sets. We're here. I'm, 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 guys, we're living over here. I'm just thinking about getting a condo right across the street. Because we're here Wednesday nights. We're praying for Gen Z and we're praying for kids and all that kind of stuff as well. Awesome. Luke 24. I want to say to everybody in this room, it is your inheritance. I don't care how many D's, how many ADDs and, you know, attention issues you think you might have, or maybe some of you are thinking, man, the Bible's a place of frustration and boredom, and I don't understand it, and it's kind of set apart for the really smart people. I want everybody in this room to know it is your inheritance to have a vibrant, flowing heart in the Word of God. It is your inheritance is to burn, to have a heart set on fire when you read the Bible. Not all day, every day, but more days than not. <laughs> and I want to just rip off all the, I don't get it, it's weird, I don't know about Methuselah this and Enoch that. <laughs> I want to just open wide the gate and invite you in to a love affair with the word of God. I want to tell you there's nothing that the Holy Spirit loves to write in more than the, Holy, than the Word of God. I remember it said that the Holy Spirit's favorite chariot to ride in is the Word of God. And God wants to set you on fire in the Word. All right, let's look at Luke 24. I love Luke 24, and then we're going we're gonna to hit a couple of passages today. But this is one of my favorite topics. I wrote a book probably about 10 years ago called Ancient Paths, rediscovering delight in the word of God. I'd encourage you, if you want to go on a journey, Psalm 119 was where I started my journey. I had all these Tupac lyrics. I got saved in the 90s. And I'm like, this was literally how I got in the Bible. God, I got to get these Tupac lyrics out of my head. <laughs> and so what I'd do is I'd read Psalm 119 over and over again just to get new lyrics in my head. Now, I'm still trying to get them Tupac lyrics out, but... Uh, <laughs> Them are ornery, ornery suckers, but um, <laughs> anyway, so, but I fell in love with Psalm 119, 176 verses of David's love affair in the Bible. 
I love Luke 24 because it's Jesus showing up. I, I love after the resurrection, Jesus shows up in all kinds of ways. He's walking through walls in a resurrected body. He's eating food and the fish doesn't fall out of him, but actually he eats it. Fully resurrected man. And he shows up to these two guys on the road to Emmaus. And he shows up in what I call his Clark Kent outfit. Either their eyes are blinded to who he is or he's closing himself in a way and not fully revealing himself in his glory. And these two disciples that are on the road to Emmaus, go ahead, look with me in about verse, um, I think it's 12. Yeah, 13, look at verse 13. And here it is, verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was that while they conversed and reasoned, I love this, Jesus himself drew near them and went with them. <laughs> you ever been walking somewhere with one guy and then a third guy shows up? That's weird. That's weird. It's got, who's the third guy here? Um, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Again, whether they couldn't see him or he was clothing himself in a way that he looked like a normal guy. That's how I think he was showing up. He was showing up like Clark Kent, just kind of walking a dude. And it says, their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So this is after the resurrection. They had heard reports about the resurrection of Jesus and they didn't get it and they were sad and they had no understanding. I think one of the reasons the guy was sad was his name was Cleopas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if somebody's name's Cleopas, I bless you. Um, he, all right, all right. He answered and he said, uh, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Cleopas is bold. He said, hey, dude, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened in these days? Now, I got to ask Jesus about this next verse. Look at the next verse. Jesus said, what things? See, I love him. Can you, that's why I love the Bible. This thing is vivid. Jesus is going, what things? I just see a smirk in his eye. What things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, that was it. We were hoping, this is the cry of the remnant of Israel, the longing of Israel for thousands of years was for the Messiah who would come and liberate them from all oppression, all the other, and would establish the kingdom of God on the earth. That's the longing of Israel, and that's what they were hoping for was that Jesus was him. He is him, but they did not have a paradigm of suffering first and then him coming a second time to establish his kingdom. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all of this, today's the third day since they heard these things. And he talks about the women. They talked about him rising. Keep going. Verse 23, verse 24, and then verse 25. So they tell Jesus, they go, man, we thought he was going to be the one to save us and redeem us and do everything the prophets had said. And then Jesus just opens up on them. He goes from the cool third guy walking with them to going, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart, look at this, to believe in all. Everybody say all. Okay, this is amazing. All that the prophets have spoken. And now Jesus is going, it says, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things 
and then to enter into his glory. Verse 27, and beginning at Moses, Moses is the first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then he goes through all the prophets. He begins to take them on a Bible study. He begins to take them on a Bible study as he expounds to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus takes these disciples on a Bible study through the Old Testament about Jesus. All right, that's, that's really good. Do you know Jesus didn't show up in Matthew? Did you know that Jesus did not show up in Matthew? Jesus showed up in Genesis 3 in the very beginning in the fall. The Lord shows up right after the fall and says, well, actually Jesus was there in Genesis 1. He was the word by whom all things were made. He was the one that the Father spoke, let all things be, and Jesus is the expression. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, da-da-da-da-da. But in Genesis 3, we know there's going to come a seed through the woman that's going to crush the head of the serpent. Jesus taking them, I want to tell you, this is what Jesus wants to do to every one of you. He wants to take every one of you on a guided Bible study through the Old Testament, revealing himself to you. All right, so he does this Bible study. It's just a two-mile walk, so you can probably get there and whatever you guys walk two miles in, 30 minutes. Gets there to a fork in the road. I love this. This is one of the most vivid places in Bible. Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, which means, see you guys. I'll see you, but look at what they did. This is what happens to you when the spirit of revelation touches you. God will always give you a little bit and he'll see if that satisfies you. But look at verse 20, look at the next verse. It says, but they constrained him. <laughs> and they go, abide with us. For it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Oh, guys, get your seatbelt on. Get your seatbelt on. They come in, they come into the house. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. And then look at verse 31. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. <laughs> okay. Y'all got that one? A man vanishes in front of them. They know it's him. And as soon as they know it's him, he vanishes. Now, has anybody seen anyone vanish right in front of you? Has that ever happened to anybody? I'm not talking about old hippie days. I'm talking about, has anybody vanished right in front of you? No. If someone vanished in front of me and you, I would look at you and say, did you see the guy vanish? It'd be a profound, you know, one plus one always equals two. Look at what they said. This is amazing. And they look to one another and they go back to what they were feeling back on the road. And they said this phrase, did not our heart Burn within us while he talked with us on the road. And look at this, while he opened the scriptures to us. Your inheritance is a burning heart. That is your inheritance. Your inheritance is for a heart that's set on fire. For the word of God to inflame your interior life. 
for the word of God to capture your imagination, to the conversation of heaven to deliver you of all the false narratives, all the false conversations, all the counsel of the ungodly, all of the Twitterville and Facebookville and Instagramville and barbershop talk. God wants to capture you up into a different conversation. He wants to release fascination, burning, thrill. He wants to wreck you in the Bible. <laughs> I ain't lying. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's the goal of the word of God is a heart set on fire. And he wants to take little old you and blow your mind. Psalm 119 says, open my eyes that I would see wondrous things from your law. God wants to restore wonder to the eyes of his church. And it's going to happen through the Bible. I want to tell you, the Bible is not boring. You are. It's you. It's not God on trial. This is not boring. It shows we've been eating. We tell this to our kids all day. You can't eat Skittles all day and think you can have any appetite for dinner. We've been sitting around eating the pleasures of this age and we have no appetite for real pleasure. We, don't, we haven't built a place for the words of heaven. And I want to invite you and say it's for you. Can you turn to Psalm 1? Psalm 1. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love that verse. I want, to, I want to go back to the phrase I said while y'all are turning to Psalm 1. And I know y'all just waiting on Judd to put it up there. I can feel it in the spirit realm. I love that phrase, Jesus will always give you a little bit, which means this. And I want to tell you something about the nature of growing in Revelation. God will meet you with the verse on Sunday, and he'll always act like, are you good? And he'll act like he's walking on. And if you're happy with what you experience, that will be all you get. I want to make that clear to you. You have to move from just getting one word and going, well, that's awesome, into moving into constraining him. Constraining Jesus and beginning to, because the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which you go sell all that you have and you buy that field, and hunger is how you now move greater into that revelation. God wants to do more than just whisper something on Sunday. He wants to open up a door into a room in the knowledge of God that blows your mind, but you only get in there through hunger. He'll give the first free and say, you happy? Most of us are. He wants you then to reorder your schedules. We'll get to that practically what it looks like at the end, but it's going to look like reordering schedules and prioritizing. God, I want to dig into this. You know, if I find oil on my field, the first thing you're going to do is call the drilling companies and say, drill everywhere. Drill everywhere. I want as much oil coming out of my land as possible. Guys, we got trillions. I ain't lying. I ain't lying. Everybody say the word blessed. It's a good word. It means happy or enviable. The enviable life. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, we need that for 2020 and 2021. Blessed is the man who shuts off Fox. Let me break it down to you. Shut, blessed is the man 
who, does, who needs to just shut off Twitter for a season. Blessed is the man who doesn't keep hanging out with the toxic person that just wants to talk politics and vaccinations and non-vaccinations. And if you're that person, I'm praying for you, man. I'm praying. <laughs> okay, okay. We ain't going to go there just yet, okay? I don't want you to lose me. It's all getting weird in here. Guys, this is just second heaven's warfare. We need to get higher. We need to get higher. We've taken the bait. We've taken the bait of Satan, and it's creating such division in the church, and it's exposing us. We got to go higher and get into a different conversation. That's not my point this morning, but I'm definitely who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, look at this, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I want you to know the three verbs right there, walking, standing, sitting. Walking, standing, sitting. Whatever you're casually walking with today, you'll be standing in agreement the next day and you'll be sitting in the seat of the scornful the third day. It's the slow progression of the heart that as you begin to engage in certain information, it's not neutral, but it begins to change you from the inside out and it brings you into a place of agreement with it. You need to understand this. The information that we're constantly drinking is not neutral, it's alive and it's changing us whether or not we know it. It's consuming us. Many of us will know it's touching us when it gets into our souls and we're gripped with fear. We're gripped with anxiety. We're gripped with torment over our future, over this, over that, and the spirit of fear latches onto us. That's what happens when you're walking, standing, sitting. Things are all disrupted on the inside of you. God wants to bring you into a different conversation. I feel like this is the word of the Lord. And he says this, and this is how you answer this. This is how you come out of that cycle is by entering into a new cycle. He says this, but his delight, I love that. His delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. That is our weaponry. That's how we fight in this season. We've got to unplug and engage in a new conversation. And if God's word is not the loudest and what he says is not the clearest, we're going to be confused. We're going to be gripped with fear and anxiety. And our interior life is going to be just traumatized and tormented. And God wants to bring us into a place of delight, into a place of pleasure, and into a place of meditation. Are you with me? So when we talk about the Bible, you're like, isn't that cute? I need to grow in the Bible. No, no. This is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of life and death. And I want you to know, today is the day of salvation. You ain't got to, you're like, I've lost so much time. I've lost the last year and a half. You know what? We all make D pluses and he grades on a great curve. He's really kind, but he needs you to feel it. Because it's, it's not a light thing. It's, it's really intense. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. You know what that word meditate? It means to ponder while speaking to oneself. The Bible has to get off the page 
and it has to get into your mouth back to Jesus. Pray reading the Bible is how you are transformed. I want to use that phrase, and it's not even, I don't even think grammatically correct, but pray reading. Pray reading, which means when the word of God touches you, you turn it into prayers back to Jesus, praying the Psalms, speaking the Psalms to Jesus, declaring it, the power of my wife, she sings it. Some of you will sing it. But the fact of it getting into your mouth, that's meditating is when it's mauling over and over and over and over. And the same verse is just moving in you. That's how you get transformed. I I gave a message about a month ago about beholding. 2 Corinthians 3, we are transformed through beholding. And one of the ways that we behold is by speaking and whispering and singing the word of God back to God. It sometimes doesn't feel that awesome in the moment, but you're being transformed. Look at at the four fruits of a man who meditates in the Bible. Let's go to the next verse. Look at this. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. If there's anything that we need in America right now, we need trees. Trees who have broken through the plastic shallow surface and who have tapped in to the underground water sources of the Holy Spirit. And they derive their source, not from the outside world, but that which is underneath it. We need trees of stability, trees of security, trees of shade, trees of oaks of righteousness that aren't going anywhere. We need oaks of righteousness that's saying, I'm not moved by all this. I'm not moved by what's happening here and up there. Yes, I'm praying. I'm praying for my president. I'm praying for my government. I'm praying in this hour, and I'm asking God to do it, but I'm unmoved. I'm unmoved in my soul. Guys, we're at a 2.0 on the treadmill. The waters and the winds are going to increase. God is wanting to deliver us and root us in him in this hour. Planted, trees planted by rivers of water. Number two, it will bring forth its fruit in its season. That literally means fruit in every season. Do you know what the will of God is? You being fruitful in every season. You thriving in every season. I want that just to mess with you. Jeremiah 17 really pulls on Psalm 1 because he talks about You know, cursed is the man who puts his trust in man. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He will be like a tree who will thrive in the midst of famine. Number three, his leaf will not wither. I love this one. And whatever he does shall prosper. We love that one. Which means God will always amen the things that are in your heart. I believe we can walk in a place where Jesus is always saying amen. Fall in love with God. Fall in, I remember St. Teresa, she said, fall in love with God and do whatever you want. Because <laughs> the heart that truly loves God does not want to offend him. And the dreams that are birthed in that place are dreams that he authored. Most of us are trying to talk God into our dreams. Most of us are trying to say, come on, God, get on. And then we get angry at him when he's not moving with us. And that's when we get weird and things get off. 
And the actual way is to sit before him and to receive his word. And that's when God's dreams become your dreams. And then you begin to walk into those dreams and he'll always co-sign those checks. But it requires sitting a little longer. Hallelujah. Can you put Luke 10, 38? And it's a well-known verse. And then I want to give some practicals on the back end of this. How I do it. I... Everybody's going to find your way, okay? Find your way in the Bible, but it matters. Nothing happens on accident in the kingdom. Now, it happened as they went. He entered a certain village. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. This is not about Martha versus Mary, okay? We need both. I need a green room. I need coffee. I was out here. Dude blew me away today. The security guy I had a tear come down my face. I came out here during worship to get a coffee. And I was actually looking for a donut too, because we usually have donuts. <laughs> anyway, we had a breakdown today. Uh, I don't care. The, 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 nobody has it like Frisco. But uh, I, come, I come looking for a donut and, they, and the guy hears me out here doing it. And there's nothing. So I just came back with my coffee, kind of a little sad. Got to go through a tough season. <laughs> now the Lord say you don't need that donut. <laughs> and the guy who, who helps out here, I don't know, he's out here somewhere, went to the local store, got me a donut and a little kolache. He brought it to me right over here. I just cried, man. That touched me so deeply. Yes. There he is, right there, man. Give him a hand. Thank you. What's his name? Yeah, David. Thank you. David, you, you changed my life today, man. Thank you. See, I wouldn't have had all this energy, you know, 10 minutes ago. It all came on me. So what I'm saying is it's not about Martha versus Mary. We need both. But what he's talking about here is priority. It's Mary into Martha. All right, and he's making a difference here. We, you need both, and I believe every true Mary will turn into a Martha, a true God Martha who doesn't find her identity by what she does, but who she is. It's all about where you find your identity and where you find your source of success. Is it what you do for him or who you are to him? That's the main point. When you get your identity by who you are to him, you can do stuff for him and be okay if nobody ever notices it because your reward's not in what other people think about you. Martha welcomed him into her house. Here's the phrase, Luke 10, 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet, heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care? This is what else happens. You'll always say Jesus is never fair. And he never sees me and he never pays me based on how hard I work for him. When you begin to, when you find yourself questioning Jesus's fairness, and he'll usually mess with you on this by putting people that came in after you and putting them over you. Jesus just loves to mess with all of us. <laughs> Don't you care that my sister led me to serve a home? Tell her to get off her lazy behind and help me. And Jesus said, oh, Martha, Martha, I love you, but you are worried and troubled about many things. He goes, you're consumed. 
He says, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part. It won't be taken away from her. This is my call to you today is in the middle of all the distraction, busyness, worry, anxiety, and all the stuff around Jesus, can you learn how to discover what I call the glory of the moment? Can you learn how to find the moment, the time to sit at his feet with a Bible open and a heart open and hear his word? And come out of all the demands of you need to do more, you need to serve more, you need to give more, you need to, you need to be worthy, you need to do something. And find yourself at his feet. Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is my, my journey in this. Is I, and I want to give you kind of, kind of what I do, what I've set apart is I, I think nothing happens on accident in any relationship. That's why we have date nights. Why do you have date nights? You say, well, I told her I loved her on our wedding night. I mean, we ain't got to. <laughs> Don't be pulling that one. <laughs> No, you've got to fight for priority because in the quote-unquote religious boundaries, you, it, 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 it prioritizes and it safeguards the precious. We understand that in our relationships. We understand date night. We understand I got to get a coffee with you. We've got to put it on our schedule. That means definable times. But yet when we get to God, I don't want to get religious. I just want to wait for the wind to blow. Until I get into the right moment, then I'll pray. We love to do all that, but it gets religious when it gets with God. You tell your wife, yeah, this is getting religious. We've done like five Thursday nights. Let's shake it up. That might be nice if you're going to shake it up, but you're going to find another time. <laughs> I'm just trying to poke that thing in the head of what's religious. Nothing happens on accident. It's fixed in real time in real space, and what I call finding your power times. Finding your moments. Now, for me, it's early in the morning because my brain's quieter. And I actually hear better and receive better from Jesus because Corey, Corey's ministry and Corey's life and Corey's isn't rolling just yet. I'm moving at about 50% capacity. So it actually causes me and helps me into becoming a receiver. Because it's about hearing his word. So for me, it's early morning and it's a Bible. And I want to talk to you about two ways in which I read the Bible. I believe in the width and I believe in the depth. We need to understand the story of the word of God. We need to understand this is the greatest movie you've ever seen. This is the greatest movie you've ever seen. And friends, this is why I care so much about it. You and I, it's a two-hour movie and we're all taking the stage at an hour 45. We're entering into the last 15 minutes of the greatest movie, the greatest drama ever, and we need to understand the previous hour and 45 minutes so that we can rightly understand what our role is, what our call is, the fathers and the mothers of the faith that are in the stands cheering us on, what they've labored for, God's faithfulness to David, God's faithfulness to Moses, God's faithfulness to Noah, God's faithfulness to me. You need to understand he didn't show up today. He's got a long resume. And you need to be familiar with that resume, understanding the greatest story of redemption that's ever been, that the Bible, my favorite chapters, I mean, people ask, what are my, my favorite chapters of the Bible? I say the first two and the last two. 
Because Genesis 3 through Revelation 20 is God's plan of redemption, of God wronging, making right all of the wrongs that were done at the fall and God's grand plan to bring redemption to the whole earth. Are you with me? So I believe in reading chunks of the Bible. Get on a Bible reading plan. Read you 10 chapters a day. You're like, I only get to five. Big deal. We re-sign up tomorrow. But begin to get a vision to understand the story. To understand the way, ways of God. This is what you discover with God's dealings with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You understand the ways of God. And you understand that humanity isn't that different today. God makes a promise to Abraham. I'm going to bring forth more children from Sarah's barren womb than the stars of the sky. Well, she's 80. I'm 90. We're getting old. Let's make an Ishmael. <laughs> we understand the human condition that will try to make promises happen in our own strength and how we get to see what happens when that begins to happen. Are you with me? Come on, come on. I want to call you into this. It's a matter of life and death because the majority of the church is getting governed by a demonic narrative. We're not being governed by the word of God. Our souls are in turmoil. There's such confusion. There's a lot of witchcraft. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of, uh, it, there's a lot of flesh that's going on and God wants to bring us into a new place of understanding the word of God. You didn't got to have a PhD in anything. It means what it says and it says what it means. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I love reading the story about how God's going to bring forth a seed through Eve that's going to crush the head of the serpent. And the Old Testament is how is that seed going to come? Through what family is this seed going to come? Through what man is this seed going to come? And we see the story of Abraham, how God calls this man out of modern day Iraq and says, I'm going to give you a great land. I'm going to make you a great nation. And in you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And Abraham just takes off walking, not knowing where he's going, but following the voice of God to a land. We see the story of Abraham. God makes covenant with Abraham while Abraham's asleep that God is going to fulfill everything that he's spoken. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 tribes. Joseph goes to Egypt, secures the nation for 430 years. God raises up a deliverer, Moses, who says, let my people go. 10 plagues, pulls out the Hebrews out of the greatest nation in the world destroys the nation, delivers his people, and then brings them to Mount Sinai where God enters into a marriage ceremony with the whole nation. God marries a nation. He betroths himself to a whole nation as God descends on the mountain. Hallelujah. Moses can't get them to the promised land. They're in the wilderness for 40 years. It's the same thing for many of us. That which was an 11-day a trip took 40 years because of unbelief. They, they were not tender to the promise of God, the word of God, and that which was, should have happened quick turned into a long time because of complaining, bitterness, and, and forgetting the works of God. 
Moses can't bring them into the promised land. We see Joshua bring them in. Anyway, I just love to tell the story. It's a story to me. It's a story. It's a glorious story. God found the king. The first thing that God did was establish the priesthood. That the heart of this nation would be a priestly people that would disseminate the knowledge of God to all the other nations. This is what covenant with Yahweh looks like. And that would disseminate to all the other nations. There was a king God found named David. This young man who caught a vision of the presence of God, the ark in the midst of the people. And David, when he became king, said, I want to build a tent, remove veils, and put singers and musicians around the ark. And I understand it. God is enthroned in the praises of his people. David dies, Solomon comes, and we see the storyline of the Old Testament. And in the fullness of time, God brought forth his promise that he had made to Abraham and he had made to David that there would come one through David's line who would sit on his throne forever. That the Messiah that is coming would be a son of David. And in the fullness of time, Jesus was born. It's all one continual flow. Abraham, David, Jesus. And that which was promised to Abraham and David was secured in Jesus. He, he lived the life you and I could not live. He lived. Then he climbed up on that cross and the punishment that was due us, he bore the punishment for our sins. He secured on that night before, Matthew 26, he said, this is the blood of my new covenant. The prophets have prophesied about the new covenant. Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, Isaiah 59. There's coming a new covenant and he's going to make it with the whole house of Israel. He offers himself. He, he dies on the cross raises the third day, ascends to the right hand of the Father, and we see what begins to happen is God had a mystery in his heart. There was a mystery hidden in the heart of God. That which had been solely to Israel, and Israel had refused Jesus as their Messiah, that Jesus in his sovereignty, God in his sovereign will, it says that there has been a partial blindness on Israel, and over the last 2,000 years, the gospel has gone to the globe. And we are in this room because of the day of Pentecost, because of what God did, the doors that opened, and we're seeing the gospel touch the whole earth. But we're coming in to something profound in the last days. God's turning the heart of the church back to Israel in the same way they bore the brunt of Satan to bring forth Messiah for blessing to the whole earth. God's raising up a church that's getting delivered from our ignorance and our arrogance and is beginning to turn our hearts to labor for the salvation of Israel. And we're going to see a glorious reality. I believe we're moving into the days of the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're in the midst of a wineskin shift in the body of Christ. Praying churches will be the only churches. That will not be awkward or odd in 10 years. That won't be an anomaly because there's no other church. The house of prayer, his people will be a praying people. And we're going to see a, a change in what that's going to do is be the wineskin to handle the new wine, the outpouring of the spirit. But it's also going to fortify the church for the great outpouring of the spirit and the great shaking that's coming upon the planet. 
He is going to shake everything that can be shaken to bring forth the people that are solely his. And we are going to enter into glorious days, intense days, and it's going to deliver us of plastic, shallow Christianity. We're going to break through into a deeper dependence on the Holy Spirit and break through into a deeper dependence on one another. I'm saying it, prayer rooms and dinner tables. Prayer rooms and dinner tables are where we're going to break through. And it's coming and the church is going to get delivered from the American dream and we're going to begin to cry out with longing for Jesus. The spirit and the bride will say, come. We'll begin to miss him and long for him and mourn for him. Hallelujah. And it's a whisper right now. It's going to get loud. I'm fully confident of it. Anyway, that's the width of the Bible. But the depth is while you're reading and verses stick out, put your Bible down and say, what does that mean? Questions are the doorway into revelation. Ask Jesus questions when words jump off the page. What does that mean? What does it mean that they constrained you? What does that mean for a heart to be set on fire? Have I ever experienced a burning heart when reading the Bible? I want to. Jesus, would you set my heart on fire when I read the Bible? That's called meditation. That's called meditation. You're praying the Bible and you're talking to Jesus about the Bible. Anyway. I love this. I love this. I love this. This is what I want to do for all my life. I want to get old, doing Bible studies and prayer meetings. In, in, a, in mostly empty, boring prayer rooms. Just little prayer rooms. I, I just, it just feels romantic to me. It's the early days. You constantly live in the early days. It's the simplicity of devotion. Anyway, I believe God has marked Upper Room Frisco, and he wants just to bring us into the word. I want to say start tomorrow. You're like, where do I start? I don't care. God says, pick a spot. I'll be, I'll be there. <laughs> start in Genesis, start in John, start in Psalms. We always usually end up in Psalms anyway. <laughs> but I want to say go on the journey, and I want you to know it's your inheritance to not only burn in the Bible, but understand the Bible. You don't have to have four PhDs to understand every Hebrew jot and every Greek tittle, but to be able to fully, I believe God wants to bring you into a deeper thing. Those things are helpful. Commentaries are helpful, but they're not, they're not the only way forward. I usually get them to confirm what he's already speaking to me, and they help in context. Anyway, all right, let's stand. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody take a deep breath, all right? We went in. I'm looking forward. I'm teaching our USM students 1 Samuel tomorrow. I'm excited, 1 Samuel. We think about David. I'm thinking about a barren woman named Hannah who got a vision. God, I, I want more than just a kid. God, give me a generational shift. The Lord restored the priesthood in that young boy. The Lord restored prophet in that young boy, and that prophet would anoint King David. 
because of a barren woman's prayer. All right, I'm going to just ask, and who would just be honest? I get it. Bible's kind of a place of frustration and boredom, and you don't get it, but you want to get it. And you're like, I don't even know if I want to get it. Just say this, say, I want to want to get it. <laughs> if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you that God would begin to turn the Bible into a new place. Come on, guys, we got one person. Who else? Good. So this is how, in the same way you think of date night, think of your quiet time with Jesus. We like, well, I, I just want to let it happen. Well, just try that with your marriage. Lord, here we are. I want to love. I'm going to just tell everybody. I can just tell some of y'all need to get a life in the Bible. Get your hands open. I want your word. Here's my prayer I love to pray. I want the Bible to be my number one source of entertainment. I want the Bible to be my number one source of comfort. I want the Bible to be my number one source of counsel. The number one source of joy. Deliver me, God. And for some of us who, you know, I got weird in here when I hit Psalm 1. You're like, God, I've, I've messed up. I got that political thing on the inside of me and I lost, I got caught in some other narratives that have gotten weird in my soul. I just ask you to forgive me right now. I've listened to the counsel of the ungodly and it's produced a lot of fear and anxiety and torment in my soul. God, I'm sorry. Just tell him. I don't want that, Jesus. I want, I want, I want intimacy with you. Just tell him you're sorry. Say, I'm sorry. And I want, I want, I want something different. <sighs> Say, I want to delight in the word of God. Teach me how to meditate, Holy Spirit. I gave you my way. I found a hundred ways to the same destination. God will show you your way. We build, we build fences around the precious. Kiss me with the kisses of your word. Kiss me with the kisses of your word, God. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all through the day. You through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies for they're ever with me. I understand more than my teachers because your words my meditation. Give me a love for your word. Make me like Mary, Jesus, who would sit at your feet and hear. Teach me how to hear Jesus.